Welcome, everyone, to Theology and Insanity, your weekly Catholic podcast on all things theology, philosophy, culture, politics, where they all intersect, and especially trying to comment on the insanity in our world today. I'm Dave Van Vickel, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Mike Cirilla, coming to us from Steubenville, Ohio. Mike, how are you doing? I'm great this morning, David. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. How are you? Good, good. You're in... Uh... You're, this is your like crazy time, right? I mean, you're yes. grading papers, yes. grading exams, and yes. kids are coming to you for help and That's saying, right. please don't, please be merciful to me. That's and, right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's time for mercy. It's time for mercy and it's time for justice and it's time for a report. You know, yeah. teachers, teachers, we, we, a grade report is like a weather report. We don't, weathermen don't make the weather, they report it and we yeah. don't make the grade, we have to report it at the same right. time. We're reporting a grade in the context of the messiness of life, and you know we have to be we have to be merciful too. I'll tell you a, an embarrassing life lesson from Franciscan University. <laughs> I and it, and I this is a moment of repentance. I'm going to make a moment of repentance here. Great. So I was in the class with uh, it was called Money and Banking, which is one of the hardest classes at Franciscan University. It, banking is very difficult to understand, and all those things, you know, um, and. Uh, it was the final exam. I was very nervous about this. And I've I've never been like I've never been confident academically. And some people just exude academic confidence and just confidence in general, right? And I finished the test and I was pretty satisfied, you know. <laughs> and I mean, just it was a total fluke that I as I was walking up, a kid's test fell onto the ground as I was walking up to turn it in right in front of me and there was nothing else I could do but look exactly at the answers. I saw all the answers. Oh no. And they were different than mine. <laughs> That's right. And I well, this is my moment of repentance. I changed my answers. Okay. <gasps> because Dave. this guy was so confident. This guy was so confident. And sure enough, I flunked that test. He he, he was wrong and I was right. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. That's like yeah. instant that's divine justice. Oh, instant divine, divine justice. Yes. Yeah. Instant. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's beautiful, yeah, man. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. So, listen, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I'm so excited for today's episode because I get to interview you, my yeah. friend. Great. Um, I've known you for 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 quite a while and and uh a lot of a lot of most of my adult life, frankly, and and it's been wonderful to know you, and you've been a really wonderful friend to me and my family and my kids, myself, and and uh, and my extended family, my sister in law Anna. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, just wonderful memories uh, uh, that we share. Um, and you've also helped me as a friend with um, issues of spiritual warfare and uh, real, fr- frankly, very real demonic things that we've struggled with at times. Um, not, I don't mean to sound too dramatic or anything, nothing like The Exorcist, but, you know, um, I, I think the people in ministry, or we, I teach theology, sometimes you get a target on your back, oh, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it occurred to me, I've never really heard, I have so many questions for you, and, and I thought it maybe be good to, to discuss this on an episode together. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm so grateful you're willing to do this. Um, so, so... Can we start with where you're at now and how you got there? In other words, right now, sure. what what kind of um, ministries do you help out with? I, I know you you work with the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Are you still on a team? Yeah, yeah. I used to. Yeah. Um, okay. So so yeah. So I have years and years of experience since I was very young assisting priests around the country with their ministries of exorcism. I don't 
officially assist with a ministry in any diocese right now because, um, first of all, my life is way too chaotic right now, and it's super emotionally draining and difficult. But second of all, I have very much felt called, you know, when you go into this ministry, my opinion is that, like, exorcism needs to be brought back to the heart of the church and to the heart of the Christian mystery. We shouldn't understand it as some weird thing outside of redemption that liberation from evil needs to be brought back to like everyday understanding of Catholics. And so I have very much distanced myself from the active ministry in order to try to do more teaching, writing about that topic in particular. I still go to the conferences, the, you know, super secret exorcism conferences and the, <laughs> and I, and every once in a while I'll go um, and assist in, in a session or something like that if they need somebody or something like that. But for the most part, I just teach on it and, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. No, that's great. You said it's a normal part of, of the Christian life, uh, to that something to that effect, and I, I agree. Um, in fact, it reminds me, Ralph Martin, whom we had on as a guest a few episodes ago, he uh, wrote a really good piece in a geeky academic journal called The Angelicum, comes out of the University of the Angelicum in Rome, and he's talking about baptism, and in it he, he says that, look, there's an exorcism rite in baptism, uh, both in the new rite also in the old rite, which he seemed to prefer even because it's a more powerful, the old Latin rite is a very extensive and powerful exorcism prayer, but it's also in the Eastern rite. In the Eastern rites, they have it too. And um, he said, he argues, and, and it convinced me, you know, I was always curious, why is that there? Babies aren't possessed, right? Why are you right. going to have that there? Uh, and he said, well, look, it's not a, a pro forma thing that's just a little uh, something that hung on from a superstitious age. Uh, what's happening in baptism is the person's getting translated from the kingdom of evil into the kingdom of Christ and his light and love and truth uh, and holiness. Um, and that involves snatching the, the, the person being baptized, baby or grown up, from the influence. Right. They don't have to be possessed. But the exorcism prayer, uh, you know, has a kind of, right, it, it, it shows that, 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 that there's an influence that's being diminished. How do you see that? Yeah, so... Um... You know, what the church says is that after the fall, Satan has a certain dominion over the world. And the word claim is very important in understanding liberation from evil because claim would be the soteriological principle we stand on when we take a person into the church, right? When the church takes a person into her. And so, like, Satan has claims himself, right? He has a certain dominion. And so everything in this world he claims and Christ counterclaims. Christ has the the power and has given that power to the church to not only claim that person, but defend that claim and to solidify that claim in their life. And that's what's happening at baptism. And, you know, I, I read, I loved Ralph's article. And I think what what was missing is if you look at early church baptism, you you might do the opposite problem where you think, oh, all this is is an exorcism, right? I mean, it's it's months of exorcisms, <laughs> right. and you wow, and and wow. then there's a small part of it. Yeah, I mean, I had no and idea. I, and, and I don't mean exorcisms in the sense like ex- exorcizote, like that they're doing this, but there's renunciations, there's baptismal promises. You know, there's a there's a part in where they're separating men from women and stripping them down to see if they have any tattoos, and literally they would they would go and say. Do you reject that God? Do you reject that God? Wow. Right, because tattoos had right. a part of that, and and um, I'm tons of fasting, tons of exorcisms, which we hardly see now in the RCA. Right, I mean there there are they call them scrutinies, right? Um, but like baptism is 
you know, each sacrament, like, you know, like, for instance, like, you know, the whole debate on whether politicians should receive communion if they voted for abortion. Well, no, what we want to say is, no, you don't, don't go to communion, go to go to confession, right? That's confession. that's the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. sacrament that's going to bring about repentance. Baptism, the character of baptism is liberation from evil, right? Part of the character of baptism. And so, yeah, I, I love it. And, and, and the other thing is that's really important to understand, I've always wanted to talk to you about this too, is... There, we've lost an, a, a very important principle, and that is that blessing and curse can exist within the same object. And so in the old ritual prayers, you exercise first and you bless second. Ah, right. And we've like lost that idea. Like or something. Or right, water. exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we've lost that. And, the pro- and, and so that's why it's so important to have the exorcism and baptism, right? E- exercise first, baptize second. Wait a minute. Wait. Now, now you're blowing my mind. You, you, okay. Yeah, I think you've said this to me several times before, but it's just maybe sinking in now, honest to goodness, okay? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've been thinking of it like, well, you have items that are neutral, then you can bless them, and then they're holy. But you're saying, and you've said this before, it just hit me now for the first time, curse can be in them too. Yeah, and... Uh, I've heard that also from traditional exorcists, all sorts of... Yeah, yeah. not only can curse be in them, but think about this, you bless the water before you baptize, that is you, and you exercise right. the water before you baptize right. because they don't want you exercising with cursed water. Wow! I mean, wow. they don't want you baptizing with baptizing. cursed water, right? We we also bless our food, right, before exactly. we eat it and drink. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. So we're yeah. blessing the food. Yeah. Wow. So Dave, uh, another thing you said about is about claiming. Okay, so the church claims these children for herself. Uh, the enemy, though, he can have a claim over us. So so. If we sin, Jesus says, we become a slave to sin. But then, is it true also, I've heard claims um, that uh, when you sin, you you allow the enemy to have, and if you're unrepentant, if you're unrepentant, you allow the enemy to have some claim over you. Right, so so we should always, so this is, you have to put, a strange thing that I do often is try to think like the devil, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> to, no, to, no. to put that myself my, in the mind there. And it's very hard to do because what we do is we make ourselves the devil and we say, what would we do? That's not what you'd have to do, right? The devil can't create anything. He only apes what God has. But what we should assume is that he apes everything that God has, right? So he has sacraments. He has rites and rituals. He has all kinds of things like that. And in particular, sin would be... Uh, similar to us responding to grace, right? So when we respond to grace, what we're doing is surrendering a little bit more of our heart to the Lord. The sin would be the opposite of that, surrendering a little bit more of our heart to the devil. And it's it's a scary thing to think about, but it's also true, so why not think about it more? You know, I mean, it's yeah, real. Yeah. It happens. And, and, and so let's talk a little bit more. Let's do a deeper dive into that. Um, yeah. So... You know, for years I thought, until I started reading Gabriel, Father Gabriel Amorth, who passed away, God rest his soul, but I read some Ignatius Press translations of his works. He was a great exorcist in Rome, I think. But but before that, I always thought, well, you know, if you're being surrendered over to the devil, what that means is, like Linda Blair and the exorcist, yeah. with the gross stuff and the throwing up and all that stuff. But actually, I started realizing, no, that's the stuff. Now, you correct me if I got any of this wrong, okay? But what, is, what I started to gather from reading Father Amworth, and then I think talking with you and uh, sometimes Father Chad Ripperger or, or listening to other things, um, that I got a sense that, okay, that, that weird manifestation, horror, horrific stuff, s- seems like it's more attached to when they're getting exposed and potentially kicked out. So before that, they could be there possessing 
um, in relative untrammeled peace, not really peace, but like flying under the radar so that they have a very strong control and or influence or whatever uh, over thoughts and desires and emotions and imagination, right, of the person. And, and, and it can persuade uh, or kind of even move the person to right. do things uh, without being caught. Right, right, exactly. And so the, um, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like the case of an infestation is the easiest way to understand that. Like when a, when a demon or group of demons takes over a, pers- a, a place or an object or, a, you know, even a, an animal, it, it usually means like, you know, an infestation could be terrible. It could be a horrible thing, but you would never know it was there until a Christian family moved in, you know? And then the weird stuff starts. Then weird stuff, yeah, because they start saying, "Hey, this is ours. Why are you doing this?" Yeah, like this. Certain is... things trigger, right? Like exactly the, the right. saints or Our Lady or Our Lord, right. love of the Eucharist. Yeah, we had this kind of just instinctual, almost in a sense. Laura and I at night do an examination of conscience with the kids every night and do an act of contrition every night because you you know don't wait till you go to confession to repent. Yeah, repent right away uh, and stay with Christ. So so now you say you were involved with you got involved in assisting. Early on, is there any? Yeah. How did you? How did that happen? Was it so? I had a, a young guy. And- super. Yeah, yeah. I was in high school actually, which is rare, super rare, and also not very prudent. But uh, <laughs> but you know, some exorcists are crazy. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I had a super intense conversion at a Steubenville conference when I was you know fourteen, and um, you know I I had it was the first time I ever like really listened to the gospel being preached by Father Dave Pavanka. It was when he was you know preaching at those conferences all the time, and I gave my life to the Lord. And I had a spiritual director, and it was it, honestly I, sometimes I I kind of joke, kind of serious. It was like the best time of my relationship with God. Like like I was you know I had all the time to pray. I had all the time, and I was crazy enough to respond generously to God's call, and you know and. And now I think about finances and stuff like that. But um, right, right, right. <laughs> but my spiritual director was a, an exorcist. And uh, at that time, so you're talking, you know, 1998, around that time, there were only about 11 exorcists in the United States. And then I believe it was 1998, Pope John Paul issued a motu proprio saying, look, every diocese, well, first of all, you know, the bishop is a de facto exorcist. If the bishop right. does not want to carry that out, he must canonically appoint someone and so and that's in the um, code, right? That's in the eighty three code. Even before this yeah. mode proprio, right? Oh yeah, it's always yeah, it's always been. yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, I mean, it's been there for a long time. And then, right, um, right. And, and so all of a sudden, all these dioceses were like, oh my gosh, we have to start appointing people. But where do we? I mean, there were no schools at that time. There there weren't really any books other than like if you could read medieval Latin stuff like that. Right, you know, right, um, right. The the prenotanda of the ritual is the best way to learn about exorcism but people are still just they're just nervous you know so uh, so what would happen is like different priests would start you know be appointed and they'd start doing the 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 ministry of exorcists and they would say could you come and just be with us until like just let us know if something is if this is all normal and i'd be like well none of this is normal at all you know uh (laughs) but uh but yeah i'll come you know and so i so i did so i started assisting and and like i said it, it was um you know, I, I've assisted in every kind of way, doing intakes for dioceses, uh, just being there just for support, for prayer and things like that. And yeah, I've been involved in almost all of it. Yeah, you know, um, so there's a great history, really rich and for the most part hidden and perhaps prudently hidden history 
uh, in the church, in her archives in the Vatican of demonology. Uh, yeah. Not in a satanic way, of course, not in no. terms of worshiping them, but in terms of cataloging names of demons, places, yeah. uh, what they did, what triggered them, what made them leave. And so for, for a while, um, I think to some degree still, a lot of that information is reserved. Right. Uh, it's not... Uh, so so it, for, I teach systematic and dogmatic theology, and in my classes, when we talk about theology of angels, we'll do demonology. Uh, but we won't get into those specifics. We'll just say, this is what it meant for the angels to fall, and this is what right. demons are after. It's just kind of the basics of the mysteries of the faith in, involving angels and the fallen ones as well. Um, but then there's a more information. Um, if you so my under, so I had a I'll go back here for a second. Uh, one of the teachers in my hi- Jesuit high school was a non-Jesuit priest, a diocesan priest from Chicago, Father John Nicola, who was an exorcist, and he he got his doctorate in sacred theology and demonology from the Angelicum in Rome in the 60s or 70s, and he would tell us amazing stories. Um, he, and he published uh, he published a bunch of yeah. papers on it. Yeah, oh I, yeah, I have, I his dissertation all. is published too. Uh, he was, I think, he was the priest who, uh, in real life, investigated the Amityville uh, house. Right. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, but the, he said the book was very, and the movie, of course, was very right. different than his experience. But but there were some horrible things that he experienced. But in any event, he was very grounded guy, Chicago guy, real big, uh, real earthy guy that you can imagine. A guy like that is probably well suited because he's not flighty. He's just very right. phlegmatic and steady, you know. But he would tell us that you know you had to be tapped, especially picked to to study this stuff because not it's not something anybody could just choose to study like Christology or, right, or, right. or, or moral theology, you know, it's, so there was some degree of, uh, you know, but now that, uh, like you said, in the nineties, right, started to open up, did the Athenaeum Regina Apostolorum in Rome, the Legionnaire house? Started yeah, that, that opened up soon. A, yeah, that opened up soon after. And, and the problem was, so all, soon after that know, motu proprio. Yeah. So okay. the issue was that normally exorcism would be an apprenticeship. So you would apprentice okay. under another exorcism, exorcist. But the problem is there were no exorcists to apprentice under. So they, so they said, wow. look, we'll just open up this school so you can come to Rome. Because Rome has always been a center for exorcism, right? I mean, there's right. lots and lots of, of issues there. Um, and actually, that was one of the reasons why Pope John Paul issued the motu proprio, is he was saying, like, we cannot take all your possessed people here in Rome. They're all flying wow. here to get exercise, <laughs> and we can't do right. it, you know? Um, and, uh, so anyway, so that, so that's when they started going over there. Um, but it's radically different by country to country. Strangely enough, it's, it, it can be very different that the issues you face, the problems you face and, and even the yeah. way it's carried out and things like that. So, well, in the Northern hemisphere in the West, since this, in the sixties arose this new secularism that Paul the sixth even started to go against, uh, oh, yeah. in some of his documents where, where among other things. And this was recently revived by the head of the Jesuit order uh, that that the devil is not a personal being, an angelic, fallen, demonic person, but rather a force. And and this is you know uh, kind of primitive humans who yeah. don't know what exactly. we know because of science, right. right? They're kind of stupid. In other words, the medievals and the ancients, the fathers of the church are kind of stupid. Is this idea right. this horrible idea? But that they're stupid, and they just kind of and the Hebrews in the Old Testament they, they gave you know, personifications to these forces, these impersonal forces. Yeah. Paul VI hammered that and said, no way, uh, yeah. these are real. Um, now, now, there's a funny, ba- is there a balance? Like, you, you, you don't want to get obsessed 
and by that I don't necessarily mean demonic obsession, but just intellectually, you don't want to get obsessed with thinking yeah. about it so much, right? At the same time, some people have to think about it. Yeah, but here, honestly, Mike, you know, like that, you know, I I speak on this. That's this is how I support my family is through a talk called "The Catholic Truth About Angels, Demons, Ghosts, Exorcisms, and Hauntings." Nice. And I travel all around the country speaking on it, and so many great faithful priests. I don't. I'm not being critical here. Will say to me like, "Well." You know, there's there's always that problem. You know, you don't want to think too much about the devil, but you also don't want to think too little. And kind of reminding me, like, of my place, like, be careful here, okay? <laughs> and I feel, and and the problem is, like, and I agree with the statement 100%. The problem is the tables are so, t- I mean, when is the last time you heard a homily on the devil? Maybe no, you, you live in Steubenville. I mean, no, no one I mean, yeah, ever, but- ever talks about the devil. And they don't really know how, to be honest with you. Um, but... But honestly, no one talks about. It. So the tables are uh, the 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 balance is so shifted. So I I do agree that we you can get obsessed with the devil for sure, and it's too much. But I, we're nowhere That's near not that really as a church, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. right. thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. So so for for me, some of it's my personal uh, squeamishness because at my reconversion as a young adult, which we talked about in a different episode, there were some demonic things going on, and so I I yeah. I, I I came to the view early early on in my reconversion in my young adult life that uh, as a Catholic, I, I just better not think about yeah. demons or whatever. But until I, I, I heard uh, like a, a Father Chad Ribberger uh, talk once where he said, look, you, you can, uh, don't get into a long ordeal, but you can address the demon and do, he called it a self-exorcism, which may be the wrong term, but I don't know, but just Rebuke him, say, get behind me, Satan, then turn to Jesus. Right. You, you can, he, he said, if you're a parent, you can also say, spirit of uh, uh, blank, you know, if your uh, child is being um, deceitful or, or uh, obstreperous, uh, rude, spirit right. of rudeness, I bind you in, the, in your mind, you know, I bind you in right. the name, <laughs> not out loud necessarily, but, you know, I <laughs> bind you in the name of Jesus, be gone, leave my child alone. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah? Do you think that's right too? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, very much so with that. And I So we can address the enemy, just don't get into a long conversation with him. Well, never a conversation at all. So the church is ever has at all. Actually, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the church has actually written, you know, definitively on that that uh, Tell us about a lay yeah. a lay a lay person is never to interrogate or to get into conversation. Now, there there's there's some debate and Father Chad and I would be on probably the same side of this debate as to whether a lay person can command a demon directly. Um, but as far as any kind of communication back and forth, it is it is strictly forbidden. And, in and fact, why? I have my own th- thoughts why, but you you know better why. Yeah, well, I mean, because they're they're snaky, right? I mean, demons <laughs> are snaky. Yeah, 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 right. And they will. I mean, in in an exorcism, if the exorcist is not experienced, if and if they're not ready for what's going on, those demons will wreak havoc on the team, uh, and can and that can happen. They can really make you. I mean, there were a few times where I've had my head messed with, you know. Would you be comfortable sharing a little bit of that or not? Yeah. Um, you know, the I remember one of the cases. <laughs> uh, you know, what happens is in these cases, like when the demon, at the, at the beginning, they try to test you, you know. They want to see, like, how far can they get you to be scared, you know. And uh, <laughs> it was I was actually at Franciscan during this case, and uh, I, I was helping another diocese, and a demon said to me, um, you know, I hope you have a good day because at 3 a.m. I'm going to kill you. You know, Dang. and and uh, Dang. and I I and I didn't exhibit any fear, but I it did make me uncomfortable. You know, 
And at 3 a.m. in my dorm room, the phone rang. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, I had a heart attack, you know, when that oh when the phone rang. And then the next day I went back and the demon, you know, as soon as the present, the presence is like the when you know that the person yeah. has kind of gone into a trance and the demon mm-hmm, has taken mm-hmm. over, um, just started laughing hysterically, just laughing at Man. me, saying, I scared you so bad last night. Did I bet you peed your pants well, like who, that? You know, it's like, who, who, this is the who, demon saying this yeah, to me. Yeah, right, because the know? person had could have no idea. Right, right. The, right. Hum, the, the, right. the human person. Well, yeah. well, okay, so who was on the phone? Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. You didn't, yeah. you didn't answer it? Oh, yeah, I answered it, but I wouldn't even share <laughs> what oh. i heard on the other end it was foul oh, no. and nasty oh, I'm sorry no no oh no it was just foul stuff yeah that's horrible uh, that's yeah horrible. no no i mean that's that's the way they are like you know that's a funny thing about it is that people mythologize demons in more ways than one right there's more ways to mythologize the devil and one of the ways we mythologize them is like we compare them to the most evil person we've ever encountered you it's not possible like they are in they are obstinately against all that is good, holy, pure. So you cannot encounter. And that's why, even though the movie The Exorcist was kind of ridiculous, and and there were a few things I really didn't like about it, it showed a very dark personality coming forth yeah, yeah, that yeah. like that most people were not used to, you know? Right. right, um, right and right. so that, that I think that was good in the end, you know? So uh, some people are claiming, I keep hearing this, and sometimes I even think this, but, but you just it's hard to get a sense of this uh, accurately and know for sure, but you hear, oh, the demonic activities on the uptick. You and I were talking about this the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, more and more cases uh, are coming in to be investigated, et cetera. What, what's your sense uh, of that? So, so my sense is, I, I don't want to say the opposite. I don't want to say the opposite of that, but my sense is that right now we're seeing an incredibly grace-filled time because so far what we're seeing is not new, it's just unveiled, right? Like So it was already there. Yeah, right. I mean, the things that have been exposed in the church were happening. They were happening in the 70s and 80s. We had right. no idea. We had no clue. Right. And now oh, they're good being point. exposed. Right. The, some you know? of the abuse things were there. Yeah, right. We didn't know it. it. But they now were there. Now, what so I will spirit, say, this is kind of a spiritual abuse. Uh, Possession is almost like a spiritual violence. It's like a yeah spiritual yeah, rape. Sure, it's horrible. Of course, it is. That's ex- that's exactly yeah. what it is, right? Yeah. They want to possess you, you know, and that and they talk about that way. Like you, you go to an exorcism of of, a, of a, a witch, a former witch, or something like that, and the demon talks about them as if that is my possession. Like this is mine, wow. you know. Wow. Um, the but like as far as the busyness of exorcists, I, I almost entirely think that that is due to pornography. I almost entirely wow. think. Wow. Because the, you know, like, right, like we all have our own, like, you know, it's, it's our job and it's our job to cooperate with grace, but also like there's a bulwark of holiness that supports the whole church, right? And as pornography just routes our men and women, Yep. Uh, the 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 hedge of grace is being lowered and lowered and lowered, and you know that that is a problem. This is what Our Lady said that in Fatima, right? She, uh, that, that one of those visions they saw souls plunging into hell. Why is this happening? Uh, one of the children says, and Our Lady says, these are from sin, mostly sins of impurity. Yeah, and that's no doubt. I I I saw. I won't go into detail, but um, <clears throat> this actually was a study done at a at a Newman Guide School where there was a significant amount of uh, students who were who were anonymously 
polled who had issues with that. Okay. It oh, wasn't yeah. it wasn't like what you'd see at a secular school. But it was a little surprising at the time, this is uh, fifteen years ago or so, that I found out I found out about this one particular study. Uh, and I think they responded to it well. Uh, for example, at our school at Franciscan, um, just this last year, the student government um, successfully brokered a deal with Covenant Eyes. Yeah, sure. To get a to get a uh, discount for all students who want to use awesome. it. And so I know it's been really good. But I think you're right. Yeah, we're more gr- grace is present, conversions are present, and that unmasks this stuff. Yeah. So that's a good thing. The reason exorcism was so prevalent in the early church is because the early church was growing was going out and like it's kind of like tilling a field right you till the soil and you turn up what's what's there um and and you're taking back you know ground that the devil thought he had i'm not saying that we're doing that effectively right now we're, we're not as a church i don't think yet but things are happening in a good way so i'm not ready to say there's more you know, yeah. I, I, I know a lot of exorcists are saying, like, more demons are being released from hell right now than ever. And I, I like, that. I'd be cautious, you know, about something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Now, you know, you know in um, the book of the Apocalypse, the, the, you know, the, the drama is that at some certain point, the, the gate of the abyss yeah. is, is opened, and there's going to be an outpouring, and Christ, of course, is in the end going to defeat all that. Uh, so, but it's really dicey business to, to try to figure out, are we there or yeah, where right. we're at? That's really right. hard. And in fact, in a sense, our main job is our daily walk with Jesus Christ, mental prayer, conversion, uh, putting aside sin by the power of His grace, moving closer to mystical union with Him. That's our job now. But let me ask you this. There's a lot of lay people involved. Let's, this would be good to distinguish for our audience. Distinguish between lay involvement in a team or assisting... Uh, and then the actual performance of the exorcism and the importance, could you speak about the importance of the sacramental priesthood uh, and the right. difference that makes? And, uh, and, and maybe, I think there, maybe there were some abuses with laity, uh, sometimes outside the church, of course, but even sometimes in the church. Sure. I don't know. I mean, it's not my area. Yeah. Let's yeah, no, no. I've, I've, I've thought uh, extensively. I've, I have researched and prayed and thought through this problem over and over and over again because it's not a problem that's going to be answered by the church anytime soon. And and I don't mean just... Uh, the, it's it's a very clear cut as far as solemn exorcism or public exorcism. That is to be performed by a priest who has canonical exorcist status. So there's no getting around that at all in the Roman church. Tell us about that. Does, it, does that mean a bishop has to formally... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and by formally, what it should be a letter. Like it literally needs to be a letter saying, and and here's why. Okay, the the exorcism ritual that most priests use now is the ritual that's been around for about six hundred years, right? Seven hundred years maybe, and it, it it contains two different kinds of prayers: deprecatory prayers, which sound like "Dear God, please heal this person in front of me," and then imprecatory prayers, which is I command you, demon, to do something in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of the church. Or um, The problem with imprecatory prayers is the same problem with, like, if I were to go to a chapel and say the perfect words of, of consecration with bread and wine, it's never going to turn into the body, blood, soul, and the right. name of Jesus Christ because I don't have the character of priesthood, right? right. So when a exorcist is vesting, right, they do several prayers and things like that, and they start to get ready, they put on their stole which represents right the the authority of Christ okay and 
that's what the demon usually tries to get off is that stole, right? Because what happens is really that person, physically you try to get that. Oh off. yeah, desperately, desperately wow. try to get wow, the stole. Wow, yeah. Wow, wow. yeah, and so because um, what'll happen their is authority, or? right? Their authority, and so when they speak it in those words, "I command you," the demon is seeing Jesus. Usually, oftentimes they describe it as seeing Jesus, not Father So and So, and um, and so that's why it's it's super important that it's a priest okay but not only that but it should be canonically appointed because th- the power over the evil one was given primarily to the apostles okay and so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bishops have that power and they can lend that authority and i and i i haven't seen a letter recently but i'm pretty sure i was thinking about this last night that the letter letter usually often says i lend my apostolic authority for the purpose of exercising the possessed wow. and and that is that is important to realize. This goes right back to the scriptures. Uh, Jesus says, "I've given you authority over demons to the apostles, in particular." Right. And what's so important about that saying, okay, about the fact that I lend my apostolic authority? What's so important about that is what separates us from Protestant and Catholic. Okay, meaning this that it's not based on on just the faith of the priest. It's not based on just the holiness of the priest. That is the beauty of exorcism, and that's the genius of the Catholic Church, that they've developed exorcism ministry into this. What it says is, look, when that priest walks in there, because of that letter, it's not just his him. It's not just his faith. It's not just his fasting. It's the entire bulwark of holiness of the church. Church militant, church suffering, church triumphant walks in that room with him and is brought to bear on that demonic attachment. Now that's something, you know. Let's articulate this out really carefully because this yeah. is so important, Dave. This is, thank you so much. So Jesus gives the apostles in particular. You see this in the New Testament in the gospel accounts, authority over demons, okay? And they even rejoice in that, you know, in, in, right. in Luke's gospel. Uh, <clears throat> but then uh, the bishops are the successors of the apostles. They receive the apostles' authority and power <clears throat> through Episcopal consecration. We see this in the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And so this is actually a, a gift Christ himself, personally and immediately, directly while he was on earth, gave the apostles and through them to their successors. So this is authority. This is juridical. It's juridical. It's, it's like jurisdiction in a court juridical. almost, yeah. right? Yeah, demons are super juridical. Yeah, tell us about that, yeah. They have to follow that, and they have to bound by it too, right? Yeah, and they know when that letter doesn't exist. I've I've been in sessions where, you know, they started. You know, you start with the communion of saints, which would work for. By the way, holiness and faith play a role. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I can pray for someone who's possessed, mm-hmm. and in holiness and faith, it's not gonna, the demons aren't going to like it. Right. But the point is, the genius of the church, you know, brings in all of this. Okay, but. You know, I've been in exorcisms where the priest, uh, it was like a nod from the bishop, where the priest has said, look, I, I think this person is possessed, can I use the ritual? And the bishop's like, eh, yeah, I'm sure you're fine, right? As opposed to proper channels. Yeah. And boom, the demon's like, basically like, you're tickling me, you know, my, you might as well go get the letter and come back and we can really they know. fight here. Oh, yeah, they know. They're kind of like, you don't have that authority right, right. now. Right, right, and that's why, Dang. like you've mentioned, there've been abuses, and I've I've been guilty of this abuse. I d- I did not know a, a a priest exorcist who should have known better used to pass out the Leonine exorcism prayer, which is a minor exorcism, um, and I put it in a prayer book that I used to u- use and everything like that, and and a lot of people use this Leonine. A lot of lay people used it. Well, um, somebody saw that and was like, "Hey, that's priestly language. We better be careful about lay people using this." And so they contacted the CDF. It was it was Ratzinger at the time, uh, Pope Benedict, and 
he they wrote back and said, no, no, you, lay people are not prepared for the type of blowback in particular that they could receive from wow. using this exorcism because it's it's very powerful, you know, and so they they ruled very definitively that you can't use that. Um, I yeah. tell you what, though, it's amazing. So the, theologically, I can't help thinking theologically that the the beauty and and privilege, just the amazing generosity of our Lord. In say, so you know He's God, so of course He could just say, "Go away, you know, be gone." Yeah, right, right, right. Cast us into these pigs. Okay, just go, and they go immediately. But He's also human, but He's divine. But His apostles are just human. And he's giving mere humans, schlubs like us, um, right. you know, not the apostles are schlubs, but I mean, you know, they're perfected, they become perfected in holiness on earth, but, uh, but still, we're just mere humans, uh, and the metaphysical scale of the rank of beings, we're <clears throat> fairly significantly beneath the angels, and yet here, in, by grace, they have authority over uh, uh, demons, and Our Lady, I've heard that it said that right. she has perfect coercive power over the demons. She says, do this, they do that, they, you know, go here, they go there. So, so I'm glad you brought up Our Lady, because this is where I get into a little bit of speculation, but I think it's warranted, is that, you know, it's amazing, you're right, that, that Christ gives power over the demons to these men. What's more incredible to me is it seems to me again this is speculation you can you can report me to the bishop if you want Mike <laughs> uh, that the the scriptures the drama between the devil and his adversary in the scriptures is not so much Christ as it is the the Our Lady Our you Lady know, that 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 you it's almost it's impossible to separate them right because Christ conquers Satan on the cross. But it seems that this is how Crod set this up, that Our Lady is going to kill is going to conquer you, right? Like this is you're going to be conquered by the Blessed Mother. You are know? you are and, you thinking of Apocalypse chapter twelve? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am. And and I'm thinking of of course there's many different ways to interpret the verse and don't don't write, you know, write me a bunch of hate mail. But but several of the fathers of the church uh interpret it that way. Most of them interpret it as Jerusalem or, or, or the church, you know, in general. But but there are people who, and, and in particular, Maximilian Kolbe, right, uh, is where I'm pulling a lot yeah. of this from. But it's a both and. It's not the church or Mary. It's yeah, both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, right. Tell us about, sorry, tell us about Kolbe, yeah. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he goes very, very much as far as to say, um, you know, that Mary is de facto the the central role of spiritual warfare, basically. And and I, I tend to agree with that, that in Catholic understanding of spiritual warfare, that Mary should be central in that. And and yeah, that's not to yeah, discount yeah. the cross, it's not to discount what, what Christ has done, but certainly no, and again, it's two creatures that, battling each other. And that's also a, a, not an either-or. In other words, it's not Mary or Christ, and it's not Mary or the Church. It's it's Christ and Mary and the Church. <laughs> it's all it's right. all together. In fact, you don't have Christ without Mary, because she is right. she through whom he comes and who supports him and stays with him his whole life and into eternity. Uh, and and Jesus, when he comes, his mother is there reigning uh, right. as the woman crowned, as queen. And and that's biblical. She's a queen, uh, Re- Revelation 12. No, I think that's right. Um, the You know what's interesting, Mike, is that the difference, you can see a difference in exorcisms between the way Christ interacts with demons and Mary interacts with demons because Christ interacts very much as their creator mm-hmm. <laughs> and sovereign power and 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 certainly you know in that way Mary is not their creator right she's a creature and she's more like a mama bear 
right? Like right, she right, right. is not gentle with them at all and uh, commonly will punish them, you know, torture them in a way. Like uh, um, I, I remember in one one case, uh, Mary came. It was very clear that it was our Blessed Mother. And um, we asked, you know, the energumen is what the church says for possessed. That's the name of a that's the term they use for a possessed yeah. person. We asked the energumen, what do you, you know, what are you seeing? And she said, uh, he said, um, Mary is making all these demons bow down and say a glory be. Wow. You know, uh, you know, it's chilling. That's how she, no, that's how she tortures them, not by, yeah, by right. uh, being a, a vicious Amazon warrior princess, uh, though she's right. very powerful, right, right. but her power comes in her purity and sinlessness, right? I mean, it seems like what really triggers them is the holy. Of course, I've heard, you can confirm or, or correct this, that different holy things will trigger different demons based on the kind of sin that they committed in their fall. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I've heard, but, I've heard that, I've heard that yeah, as well. it's a theory, but, but certainly holy things trigger them. Well, besides Christ, who's God incarnate, um, Our Lady is the creature who, who has no quarter for sin, right. uh, no impurity, nothing that the demons ever could claim, ever in her. And so I think that must really trigger them. Her her holiness, her justice, her purity, her wisdom, uh you know, her and by the way, they get to know us through our temptations, right? They get to know so you know, it they're eerie, right? Because they know things about us. It's eerie to deal with demons in this direct way because Tell they us know more things about, that. about what us. What does that mean? Uh, yeah. Okay, but what I'm saying is imagine if you're fighting something and you you have no knowledge of what your enemy is. That is very similar to the way that they would struggle against Our Lady because they they have no foothold. There's nothing in common right, between right. them other than creation and creation, right? And so they have no knowledge of her, and it's the same way with us. And if you don't want demons to have knowledge of you, you strive against temptation, right? You strive right. against temptation um, because they you know they they don't necessarily read your mind, and they can't read your mind. But you know they they do read your body chemistry. They have they have most likely have access to your your memory, right, and your imagination. And what they'll do is, you know, they'll present you with a sin and they'll read what your body chemistry is, and that's how they get to kind of know you, you know. And So unless you communicate to them or unless somehow it's communicated in another way, they don't know what's in your intellect. They don't have direct access to your free will, okay? Right. But they can see... The, the 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 material and by see it's not they're not material so they don't see from the outside like we see each other's outside right, skin right. and hair they don't have eyes right they right they know they understand the material world you know as thoroughly as it's given to them and that's a carefully phrased thing as thoroughly as is given to them to know because there is there are limits they're not gods they don't have infinite intellects so they have limit to their intellect but their intellect is much more powerful than ours so they can see i think you're right the chemical changes the brain uh you know the way it's uh yeah centers of the brain are firing and they can can give good guesses sometimes you'll hear like like the demons it was as if they were reading somebody's thoughts they they can kind of yeah. have a good guess isn't that right a good guess yeah. of what you're thinking yeah not not just that but they they communicate yeah they communicate too and they also you know, they they experience time, but not in a linear fashion like we do. So it's it's mysterious, you know. And yeah, I mean, I always tell the joke that like, you know, people always ask like, well, do do they really know your sins? And do they tell you tell people your sins during an exorcism? And I always joke about how when I was five years old, I went to the Natural History Museum and I wanted this 
little yellow pterodactyl and my dad wouldn't get it for me and I stole it. I stole this pterodactyl. Oh. <laughs> this is terrible. I want this is a, this is an episode of repentance for me. <laughs> yes, um, amen. <laughs> uh, and it's very common during an exorcism, you know, for the demon to say, remember when we stole that rubber dinosaur? You know, and everybody right, in the room is right, looking right. at me like, did you just steal a rubber dinosaur like last week? I'm like, <laughs> no, this is when I was five, you know? Five, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. You should carry around a rubber dinosaur. Right, yeah, right. I got it right here. Uh, yeah, right, 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 exactly. Right. Oh, my right. gosh. Yeah. But in the in the end, though, we know Christ is going to be victorious um, one way or the other. So... To, you know, have you have you seen some wonderful, you know, successes? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. I've seen things. Yeah, I've seen beautiful successes. I've also seen, um, you know, cases that seem to go on forever, seemingly on forever. I, I I'm still involved with a case that um, loosely involved. I shouldn't say involved. Loosely involved with a case that um, started when I first started. So we're talking wow. going on twenty years here. Wow. Um, you know, and it it depends on what God is trying to do here, right? Uh, it depends on the faith of the people praying. It depends on the cooperation and faith of the victim, of the energumen. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you, you never know. But yeah, certainly there's success no matter what, right? We have to remember that. Even if a person isn't liberated, like when we pray and ask God for victory, God gives us victory, period. Right. It depends on what's happening in the case. How, how it manifests. So that's, that's good because uh, sometimes success can more easily but perhaps more superficially be seen as just deliverance from the demon or demons. And that's good, right? But often, too, the, the success really seems to me deeper success is that the person or people around get converted. Um, in fact, exactly. with the original case that the Exorcist movie and books uh, book is loosely based on, it was a boy, not a girl, and he was Lutheran. Uh, there's a wonderful documentation of that. I'm sure you're aware of this. Uh, he was Lutheran, but he became Catholic, and he's still alive today, and he's a practicing Catholic. Uh, he saw St. Michael, apparently, near the end of his deliverance. Yeah. Uh, he saw St. Michael, you know, delivering him, and and uh, and through it all, he, and I think maybe some of his family members also, yeah. uh, became Catholic, right? They came to Christ. That's, that's, the, that's keeping the eye on the positive there, is that, yes, it's deliverance from evil, from Satan, from sin, but it's for Christ. It's for... Uh, belonging to him in his kingdom, you know, like you said from the beginning, surrendering more and more to him. Right. S- several people, like when I was in high school, I, it was very disturbing to me because several of the cases that I worked with were much better Catholics than I was. <laughs> wow. You know, that they, they were just, they were paying for something that had happened a long time before, you know, and and it, it used to really scare me, but before I understood, you know, how this happens and everything like that. But, uh, but yeah, that, that so happened. So if often. you repent, you did something, you sinned, you repent, you go to confession, it's sincere, you, you do uh, satisfaction, you do penance, um, but still sometimes there can be a position. Well, yeah, think, think, think about, like, um, imagine if you, like, accidentally drank some poison, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you realize you're starting to feel really sick. It's starting to like seep through your body and everything like that. So you throw up and you extract as much of the poison as you can. There's still a lot of it in your blood, you okay, know. Right, right. And yeah, certainly. I'm sometimes the attachment, and and in a lot of this, right, a possessed person. It's not easy to get possessed. Okay, so a lot of these people, if you heard what their life was like, it it's disturbing. It's hard. I mean, most, a lot of them were witches or cult Satanists or, and I'm not talking about the Satanists like that are on TV, like that, you know, not philosophical Satanists. These are people who literally worship Satan for usually one of two reasons, either that they believe that 
Satan was Jesus's brother and that Jesus usurped his throne and their job is to steal it back or yeah. or more commonly they believe like like Manichaeus like that they're equal and that there's so much good in the world they have to do evil to even it out. Wow. And so these people are I mean you you're talking about doing really horrible, dark things, you know. So, yeah, yeah. it you don't get over that overnight. It's it's emotional, it's psychological, it's it's spiritual, it's all those things, and you have to treat all those things. Yeah, but there is deliverance. There is victory. Oh yeah, in Christ, But it's it comes at uh, at great cost. Absolutely, I, Mike. I I have seen people who beautiful cases of of people who were so. Uh, indoctrinated by their satanic cults, who were their families, by the way, indoctrinated that I couldn't even say the name Jesus without them going nuts. And I, and literally to evangelize them, I used to say, can I tell you about the one who loves me? Like, that's what wow, I used to say. Wow, wow. And, and, and then slowly, as the, as the chains were just broken, slowly, 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 the chains are broken. We start to introduce more and more explicit themes, and then and victory comes always. You know, always. Yeah, yeah. You know, I th- I can't remember if it was you, with whom I was speaking about this, or someone else, but um, I think it was you. Were we talking uh, a while back about how, uh, like you said, not not a not a notorious Satanist in the news, you know, uh, who runs a church of Satan and tries to get the right. Eucharist and just dis- desecrated for for show or something, but these people who want to remain kind of covert under the radar and who appear as just normal everyday. Guys and gals in society, you know, nothing, wearing nothing extraordinary or drawing not, no attention to themselves. And was it you or someone else, or maybe several people? I've heard that sometimes folks will, in these kind of older, generational, uh, traditional, satanic groups, you know, uh, would even have some of them become abortion doctors. Oh yeah. Have, were we talking about this? And if not, yeah. at least you've heard of this before. I've heard of it on several occasions, and they and can offer up a sacrifice of a human. Yeah, I don't, I've never, purposes. I've never heard anyone. I've never heard the case of it being a doctor, but okay. I know okay. they fill those clinics, and and I know that for a fact from a few cases. But also, um, they're pretty explicit now. They don't, they don't have any problems. No, I know, and that's you know, what yeah, I've seen right. too. Is that Laura, yeah. Laura uh, does uh, go to the Pittsburgh abortion mill and pray right. outside and protest, and f- we have a whole bunch of friends you do too who do this and they've seen satanists outside uh, yeah right counter protesting but also uh being kind of delighting in what's going on right. with respect to the abortion yeah um, they, they um it would be a legal way for them to carry out what they needed what they want you know right it right. would be a legal way for them yeah so it's a i mean that's a dark part of this um you know right. the a dark part of this ministry and it's hard it it is very hard to take in because um you know if you're encountering someone who's actually possessed oftentimes it is because of a serious connection to to this kind of activity but for the most part you know you, when you walk away from an exorcism you don't think about the power of the devil or the power of evil you think about the priesthood mary yeah like how amazing you know the power of the church is and and uh you know i i it has totally renewed how I see priests yeah. because of of, of of exorcism because it's such a literal way to see in persona Christi. Um, and I, I, I pray all the time that I would have the kind of 
vision that demons have that when the priest walks down the aisle that I would see Jesus, you know? Right. Or that when I'm in the confessional that I would see Jesus the way the way they do. Right. And that's so important that you, you were you said a little while ago and I want to reemphasize this, it's the character. It's that sacramental character from the sacrament of holy orders that puts that recipient in the person of Christ, in persona Christi. Uh, and it's a again theologically just such an indescribable blessing that he gives us humans a share, some of us, priests in particular, a share in his power. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, Dave, thank you so much. This has been been great. Uh, I hope we will probably get back to this again in a future episode, but uh, what, what a blessing. Um, yeah, I, wanna, I definitely want to hash through some of the theology of it with you sometime. Yeah, um, absolutely. Some more of the theology um, of this. Why don't we, you want to end with a St. Michael prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, Let's do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls, amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray, pray for, for us. us. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Pray for us. Sorry. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. yeah. He's terror of demons. Got to give props to St. Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. This has been another episode of Theology and Insanity. I hope it's been fruitful for you. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have a, a live episode where you can uh, call in and, uh, and ask questions to Mike and I, and we'd love to answer any of the questions you have. We'll be advertising that soon. Uh, we got an awesome interview coming up with Father uh, Thomas Winendy, and uh, it's going to be great. So please uh, feel free to share this with your friends. Give us a like on iTunes and give us a rating. God bless you all.